Hi, ladies. It's the first week of Advent, and Advent is a time of preparation, right? Christmas lights are going up everywhere, and I have to admit, we have got them up at our house already. And the dispute between colored lights or white lights, the super bright halogens or the mellow soft white lights have been finally resolved. We have both color and white lights on our house this year. This is a season of lists and parties and feasting, and I love it, sort of. It can be challenging with all the extra time to celebrate. The true meaning of of Christmas can sometimes get trampled underfoot. And I must say, I do look forward to all things Christmas. I love manger scenes, Christmas cards. I like Christmas music. I like the beautiful lights. I like the smell of cinnamon and cedar and things baking in the oven. But loving something, however, doesn't mean that it always fulfills my expectations. In fact, sometimes the more I'm invested in something, the more capacity that it has to break my heart. Have you found that to be true? Advent should be a reminder that it is a season of waiting, a season of hope. And so no matter what you find yourself in right now, what your circumstances might be, I want you to think about that. Advent is a reminder that we are waiting in hope. And though Christmas can be beautiful, it can also hurt. The first Christmases after our son Christopher went to heaven were incredibly painful. And I want to remind you that this Christmas could disappoint you, but Christ never will. It doesn't mean that we won't occasionally feel sad or disappointed, and the gifts that He offers might not be the ones that we had on our wish list. Maybe they don't even seem like the right fit, but we should pause before asking for a refund. I want to take a look at chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel and think about a couple who specifically had a situation that created great disappointment for them. One character in particular, and his name was Zacharias. The first coming of Jesus, though it was the best news the world had ever had, this faithful couple, they were older, and it would require deep surrender and an open heart. And through this story, I hope we can learn that real faith, weak faith, even doubting faith, will it sometimes require real intentional refocusing. Luke is the only gospel that begins with the story about Zechariah, a man with doubts, not that he doubted God, mind you, but that he was disappointed to the point where he stopped imagining God could or ever would answer his prayers. And I know some of you are right there. We are introduced to this great couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth, who are brokenhearted because they've always wanted to have kids but never had them, and now they're old, really old, and it looks like they've totally missed out on this. So let's jump right into Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, and they were advanced in years. The days of Herod were dark days, let me tell you. Once again, these chosen children, chosen people, were under occupation in their own land that God had promised them. Rome was an iron-fisted controller, and they were governed with this puppet tyrannical king named Herod. Now, we think our leaders are corrupt. Let me tell you, Herod took the cake on this one. 
King Herod, although he was of Jewish descent partially, was this great builder, but he was also an incredible paranoid tyrant. He had rebuilt a magnificent temple, and the priesthood at this time was in place, as we will read later on in Zechariah's case. But this was not how the people of God imagined it would be. They had been conquered by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, by the Persians, by the Greeks, and now by the Romans. And it had been a long 400 years since Malachi prophesied the coming of the messenger who would prepare the way of the Lord. Where was the restoration of the Davidic kingdom? Would the true king ever arrive? There hadn't been an angelic visitation or word from a prophet since. All they had was the word of God and his promises, but it didn't look like things were about to change anytime soon. The wide-angle lens looked pretty bleak to Zechariah. The telephoto view on his own life was just as bleak and barren. This godly couple, part of the faithful remnant, had been denied kids, and in those days there was hardly anything worse than the barrenness for a couple. It meant not having someone to take care of you when you were older. It was so different then. There were no pension funds, no 401ks, no social security. Eh, Well, maybe that's not so different for us. But some of us might see this barrenness as a real curse. But for years, this Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth had hoped for a son. And year after year, they cycled through hope and disappointment. Elizabeth would get up one morning, feel a little dizzy or a little nauseous, and think, this is it. But then a couple weeks later, she'd come to the heartbreaking realization that, again, that was a false hope. I know some of you have gone through this same thing, and that's how Zachariah felt. But after years of cycles and hope and disappointment, they had in time resolved themselves to the fact that they were never going to have children. And at this point, a kind of resolute, permanent disappointment has settled in. Plus, they had to deal, imagine, with all the questions that people asked about him. Oh, yeah, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Gee, I wonder what's wrong with them. I wonder why God is displeased with them. What is it that we don't know about them? Let me ask you this. Do you have something in your life like that? Something you can't understand why God hasn't fixed it yet or given it to you? God, why don't we have kids? We'd make great parents. God, why am I not married yet? I'm watching everyone else get married. God, why was I overlooked again for promotion? Why can't we ever seem to round the corner financially? I look at the other happy wives. Will my husband ever come to Christ? Why are my kids not normal? And maybe you feel the sting of what other people say about you. I heard this about a guy who had been single for a long time. And he said it got really old to have questions like, well, you're really getting up there. Why haven't you gotten married yet? And for every one that said it to his face, he imagined 10 were saying it behind his back. Oh, he's not single for a season. He's single for a reason. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Bless your heart, honey. Don't worry, honey. You're next. I'm sure you'll be getting married soon. He got so tired of hearing that at weddings, he thought he might say to those same older ladies who said that to him at funerals, he would say, don't worry, honey, you're next. (laughs) He was just kidding, of course, and I'm sure he didn't say that. But look, the Bible is so careful to note that we can't judge a person's character by the situation they might be in. Barrenness was not a curse from the Lord in their case. We know the Bible is careful to tell us that they were righteous 
and had walked blamelessly in God's ways. Now, this doesn't mean that they were sinless, because they were faithful. But I'm sure there was a lot of times that Zechariah and Elizabeth asked each other, God, what have we done wrong? What's wrong with us? But things were about to change for Zechariah and for the nation. It so happened in verse 8, we read, that as Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment, it came his turn, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. So the different divisions of priests would rotate through offering sacrifices in the temple. And during the rotation, one of the priests would be chosen by the rolling of dice to be the one to go into the very Holy of Holies and offer incense before God. It was a symbol of the prayers of the people of God. And no doubt mingled in with those prayers of the people were Zechariah's own prayers. There were thousands of priests, and some never had this lucky day. This was a -a once-in-a-lifetime privilege, and the lot falls on Zechariah. We read in verse 12 that unannounced, an angel of the Lord appears just to the right of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was paralyzed with fear. But the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Ladies, can I just tell you, your prayers, though unanswered, live before the throne of God. And the angel goes on to say, and Elizabeth, your wife, will bear you a son by you, and you will name him John. You're going to leap like a gazelle for joy, and not only you, but so many will delight in his birth. You know, I love scenes like this where it shows you what angels are really like. Do you know 70% of Americans say they believe in angels, and 32 say they have experienced one? A few years ago, a major magazine did a big survey to find out that 32 of those 70% of Americans that believe in angels felt that they had encountered an angel, and what they said about that encounter ranged from the spooky to the bizarre. You've got people who claimed angels showed up to give them directions when they were lost. One who said an angel helped him find a lost hubcap. (laughs) Imagine that. Several who say that angels even helped them find a parking space, which, if that is true, that has to be one of the worst jobs an angel could ever be assigned, right? I can imagine the angels around my mom when she pulled into the Costco parking lot saying, oh no, it's Pilar and she's praying again. Dispatch the A-team. I'm just kidding. I won't comment on whether these things are true or not, but just know this. When someone saw an angel in the Bible, the response was almost always absolute terror. The angel's first response to Zechariah is, no, 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 it's okay. Don't die. But Zechariah was terrified. And then it tells us that his prayer had been heard and his wife, Elizabeth, would bear him a son and he would call his name John, that he would be great in the sight of the Lord and he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb and he would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he would go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah had to have known these words sounded familiar to him. They were the very last words that the prophet Malachi had spoken to the people of God before the curtain fell and those 400 years of silence began. But the angel is so surprised when he hears Zechariah answer him. And he basically says, Do you expect me to believe this? 
I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I don't really love his phrasing here. When he says he's old, but his wife is advanced in years, another translation says, well, stricken in years. Zach is like, hey, I'm old, but my wife, she is old. Folks, when the Bible says you are old, you're old. Zachariah is basically saying, do you expect me to believe this? You have to hear the tone in his words. He basically is saying, I don't believe you. I don't believe you because year after year we've prayed and asked God for this, and there was no answer. And now you're telling me that when I'm an old man and about to die, me and my geriatric wife are going to have a baby? Where were you in my 30s and 40s? And then Gabriel is like, really, Zachariah? Just a minute ago, you were in the corner with your knees knocking, and now you're all like, are you sure this is going to happen? Verse 19 says, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. (laughs) That's a bad phrase. It's like singing, I am Jason Bourne, only times 10. He says, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word that I've spoken to you will come true on time, on God's time. Wow. That's not a word for us today. All of God's promises are yes and amen. And the words that he speaks to us will come true on time. And if he's promised us joy and an abundant life, you can bank on it. It is coming. But what happened in Zachariah's life, through his doubt, he was given the first massive timeout in the Bible. The angel is like, go to your room. No TV. No cell phones. I just want you to think about what you've said. And for nine months, nine long months, Zachariah can't hear or speak. Have you ever had the Lord put you in the corner or in timeout until you've learned a lesson of faith? Wow, I have, and it isn't fun. Zachariah thinks that his bitter past experiences and lack of a son trumps the promises and power of the sovereign God. He's basically saying, God, you're not in control. I know what your word says, but how could you be in control and this situation be the way it is? God, you've forgotten all about me, and there's no way you could have a plan of goodness and blessing for me because I've done this and this and this in my past. Perhaps you say that. God, I don't have the capacity to do what I feel like you're telling me to do. God, this has been a problem for so long. There's no way. I know. you'll. There's no way. Even though you say we'll be more than conquerors, that we can do all things through Christ, but I feel like I want to give up. God shut up Zachariah in a timeout to teach him to trust his love and his character. What God did to Zachariah was discipline, yes, but it was love. Now, before you write off Zachariah as this stubborn old fool, I want you to relate to him. The angel speaks about hope in an area where Zechariah and his wife have only experienced pain and disappointment. They had been waiting a long time. The people of God had been waiting a long time. There was so much in-between time between these promises of God and His moving. It seemed like He had forgotten all about Him. But God's promises say it will be good, and it is coming. Just wait for it. But our hearts often remain unmoved by his promises. But he did something, Zechariah did. Even with this time out, he did something. Because we read that it wasn't long before his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself for five months. Now, 
I, I can only imagine Zechariah coming home from the temple that day, and his wife is so excited to hear about what it was like for him to be in the Holy of Holies, and, and when he offered incense, did he experience anything? Had anything happened? And Zechariah comes home, and he cannot say one word. All he can do is gesture with his hands and hope Elizabeth can make out what he's trying to tell him. Oh, my goodness. Zechariah was really in an interesting place, wasn't he? With his heart filled with this divine appearance and these divine words spoken to him by an angel, and he can't explain to Elizabeth with his voice what has just happened. But somehow he managed it because there's no other way that Elizabeth could have found herself expecting a baby. But she was. She was expecting a son. Now, for Elizabeth, that was another story, right? She conceived, and it says she hid herself five months. Now, if I were 75 or so and pregnant, I think I would keep myself hidden too. You know why? Because, you know, there's that phase in a woman's pregnancy where people aren't quite sure if you're pregnant or if you're gaining weight. But when you're 75, no one's going to assume you're pregnant. So Elizabeth is hiding. She's staying quiet. She hopes people aren't thinking that she spent a little too much time in the all-you-can-eat buffet line. And in these five months, Elizabeth was saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. That is what Elizabeth said during her pregnancy. What Zachariah said was, of course, nothing. When Elizabeth was full term in her pregnancy, she gave birth to her son. Her neighbors and relatives, seeing that God had overwhelmed her with mercy, celebrated with her. And on the eighth day, when they came to circumcise the child and were calling him Zachariah after his father, but his mother intervened, no, 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 he will be called John. But they said, no one in your family is named John. And they used sign language to ask Zachariah what he wanted to name him. Asking for a tablet, Zachariah wrote, His name is to be John. That took everyone by surprise. Surprise was following surprise, and this was only the beginning. For nine months, Zechariah had sat there and watched in silence. All the while, he was getting excited, watching Elizabeth growing and learning to believe the gospel. And when he finally gets his words, pent-up worship that had built up in his heart explodes out of his mouth. Here's your takeaway. The purpose of God in delaying or denying anything in your life is that one day you will overflow with joy and happiness in God in a way that makes you burst out in praise. Some of you have been so discouraged lately, and you can't see why things are happening this way. Greg has often said, God's delays are not necessarily denials. What He is doing that you can't see just yet is being done in love, and He wants you to learn to love and to trust Him and His Word. And although at times it feels painful, almost like He's trying to kill you, but His intentions are your healing, not your destruction. The older I get, the more I believe this, ladies. Study the Scriptures. Listen and learn. God's love and tenderness is seen in His dealings with us in all of them. Yes, God, it sounds impossible to me, and it sounds like it may even cause me some problems, but I trust you. You are good. There is nothing better than what you would declare over me, and nothing I'd rather have than your intentions for me. My wish for you this Christmas is that I could convince you wholeheartedly of the love of God, 
And that even when it feels like he's breaking your heart or shutting you up in silence, it's because he desires the very best for you. Let's resign ourselves completely to him, to cast ourselves fully upon him, whatever we're going through. And let me close by explaining this. There is a meaning here beyond just that God can give children to people who sometimes think there's no more chance. There's so many ways that we can be barren in our lives. My point is not that God will give you that certain thing that you're hoping for. My point is that God will give you the very thing that you need most. This story is part of the birth narrative of the Messiah. Zachariah and Elizabeth were going to be written into the greatest story that would ever be told. They were going to have a part in this, but God's timing had to be perfect. If Elizabeth had had a son earlier, that John would never have been the forerunner for Jesus. There would have been too many gap years in there. If they had not trusted God, if not waited upon God, they would have never seen and accepted the ultimate beauty of the reality of God's will for their life. What they didn't know, and none of them knew at the time, was that those conquering armies of the Greeks and the Romans would give the people of God a way in which the gospel could go everywhere. The Greeks would give the world a common language. The Romans would pave the world with roads that would carry the gospel out. Ultimately, you see, Jesus is and was the answer to the world's brokenness and our soul's barrenness. Do you believe this? Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe that there is light even in the dark, in the times where you cannot see? The reason so many of us have unhappy hearts is because we don't have children or romance or money or success, and it's because We haven't laid hold of the riches of the promises that Christ has already given us in himself. And that's what is going to take away our barrenness ultimately. The Messiah that was to be born to take away our sin and condemnation for dying for it in our place and removing our separation from God is the greatest gift of all. And God is such a treasure that when you have him, you can deal with the disappointment of childlessness or poor health or singleness, even when you don't want it. Don't ever confuse God's lesser gifts with his ultimate ones. Yeah, sometimes God gives you a little kiss and a good gift. My husband, my children, all the blessings. But those are just signs of his favor. The real gift, the ultimate blessing and answer to my barrenness, was the gift of himself purchased for me by Christ. So enjoy the signs of God's gifts but find your refuge and your ultimate hope and trust in God himself. Is there an area in your life where you feel shut down and barren? Trust me, there will always be something missing. But this Messiah's birth is not just a religious event in history where we decorate our houses and put up Christmas lights. It is the answer to the whole of our life's struggle. He and He alone is the only one that will take away our soul's barrenness. And I pray at this season of the year that you don't lose that ultimate hope in all the lesser hopes and dreams that you might have. God's will for you is perfect, and His timing is perfect. Do you believe that? Do you believe the truth of the gospel today? I pray so. 
Father, I ask that for all of those who are listening, even now, that they would sense your presence and peace that you give us when we come into a right relationship with you. I pray if there are any out there that don't have this assurance and relationship with you, that they would pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that I am broken. I know that I am empty, and I am in need of help. I'm in need of a Savior. I ask that you would forgive me of my sin, and you would grant me the faith to believe that you are the Savior who can change my life, who can clean my life up and give me the ultimate hope of heaven, not just hope in heaven, but hope in this life as well. Even in this season, wherever you may be, ladies, may I assure you that if you pray a prayer like that, God hears you, and He is working in your life, even in the dark seasons. Amen.